You're about to listen to an original production. Let the music, the theme, and the story transport you to a wonderful place. A place filled with your own dreams and passions. Soon you will discover that there is still so much hope for your future. There is hope inside of you, somewhere in your heart. Hello, and thank you for choosing Unmask. As your audiobook to listen to today. This short story was created by my husband, Gian, based partially on true events and partially on fiction. All of this was made with one idea in mind. To bring you an inspirational story that will cause you to dream for about 28 minutes. From Odessa, Texas, Gian and his team want to share with you this very unique story. One that you will listen to in a special format. It includes Gian's original music. I hope you enjoy it. This is Tracy Digitoro. Unmask, Chapter One Christmas It was sunny outside, just like the weather report had predicted. For the first time in years since Edward started working at the newspaper company, he didn't have to rush out first thing in the morning to get to work. He could do anything he wanted due to the one month's overdue leave he took. Normally, as a newspaper editor, he always had to be on deck to handle and cross-check the contents and information being released to the public. So getting a break like this was nothing short of luck, thanks to his assistant, who was going to be carrying out his duties in his stead. He had the perfect holiday planned for his family. This is Edward's story. Edward got up from bed, looked over at Martha, his wife of eight years, smiled to himself, and went out the room as quietly as he could. It was Christmas Day, and he had many things planned. The first thing on his list was to finish wrapping the gifts that he couldn't get to the day before. It was a very time-consuming task, but... The prospect of seeing a huge smile on his son's face made every minute worth it. As he sat wrapping the last of the gifts, his mind wandered to his childhood years and how far he had come. He was no longer the teenage boy from Cincinnati who was scared about what the future had in store. He had gone through many things, and contrary to his expectations, he came out from everything mostly unscathed. From a beautiful wife to a perfect son, he was content with his life and family. After about 20 minutes of gift wrapping, Edward heard footsteps from the stairs and turned to look at Martha. Even though she had just woken up, she was the most beautiful woman he had ever seen, and he was more than lucky to be married to her. 
Martha came down the stairs and wrapped her hands around him. Good morning, baby, Edward said. Good morning, my love, Martha replied, while burrowing into him. Did you sleep well? He asked. Yes, I did. What are you doing up so early? She asked. I was just finishing up with the gifts. I wanted it to be perfect for Johnny, Edward replied. I'm so glad you're with us today, Martha said as she hugged him. Now I'm going to make breakfast. What do you want to eat this morning, Mr. Miller? She asked. Edward put his finger on his chin like he was in deep meditation, but he already knew what he wanted. Hmm, chocolate chip pancakes, Mrs. Miller, he replied with a huge smile on his face. You are so predictable, Edward. However, your wish is my command, she said as she smacked him playfully on the arm. <laughs> Thank you, kind ma, he said laughingly. Just as he was about to enter the kitchen, Johnny came down the stairs, rubbing his eyes sleepily as he came. He came to Edward and raised his hands for his dad to carry him. His innocence warmed Edward's heart, and he couldn't help but imagine what he would be like in the next few years. Good morning, Daddy, he said in his innocent and childlike voice. Hi, buddy. Did you sleep well? Yes, I did. Did Santa come? Johnny said as he tried to look at the Christmas tree and discern for himself whether or not there were gifts under there. Of course he did. You've been a good boy, Edward assured him. He squealed happily and motioned for Edward to let him down. Why don't you say hi to your mom before checking out the tree, Edward said. Hello, baby, Martha said as she poked her head through the door. Hi, Mom, he said. Edward had always marveled at their relationship and how close they were. Did you sleep well, Johnny? She asked, with concern etched on her face. Yes, Mom, I did. I dreamt of Santa. Edward chuckled as he watched both of them interact. It was a far cry from how his childhood was, and he was determined to make sure Johnny had a better childhood than he did. Okay, can I open the gifts now? Johnny asked. Edward looked at Martha to know her take on the issue, and she nodded slightly in consent. Yes, buddy, you can open them now. Let's see what Santa got you, Edward said, fueling his excitement. He went for the biggest one and started unwrapping the gifts while Edward sat back and watched him. Edward saw the expression on his face when he took in what was in the box. Whoa, he said. Do you like it? Edward asked. Yes. He squealed in delight, just like Edward had anticipated, and ran to the kitchen to show his mother. His excitement was very palpable. Mom, look what Santa brought for me. Whoa, Johnny. Santa went all out this year, she said, looking at Edward over the top of his head. Johnny had been clamoring for the latest scientific explorer science kit, and on a last whim while shopping the previous day, Edward decided to splurge and buy it for him. The look on his face made it worthwhile. After showing both Edward and Martha the toy, he scarfed down a few pieces of Martha's famous chocolate chip pancakes and raced to his room to play with his new toy. When did you buy the science kit? She asked Edward. I got it last night when I went to the store. Do you think it's too much for him? Edward asked. At a point, Edward was skeptical about buying it because he didn't want Johnny to hurt himself while playing with it. No worries. It's perfect. There's nothing to be worried about. Johnny is a smart and reasonable child. He will be safe, she assured Edward. All right, then. 
Edward answered. I have been meaning to ask you, how many people are we expecting for lunch today? Martha asked. She had decided to catch up with some of their friends by inviting them over to dinner. Four, I think. Is that right? Edward asked. Yes, it is. I'm going to need help with the cooking, though, she answered. What do you need me to do? Edward asked. Start with the carrots, Martha instructed. The first guests arrived a few minutes before 3 p.m., and by that time, everything was arranged for the Christmas lunch. When the remaining guests came, the table was set, and they all sat down for the celebration. Since the guests were fellow parents, they hired a babysitter for the duration of the lunch to take care of all the children while the adults had time to themselves. Due to the nature of Edward's job, keeping up with friends over time had become very hard, and this dinner was a way to bridge the gap. The lunch was perfect. Everyone commented on how good Martha's food was, and all of them had more than enough to catch up on. However, all through the duration, Edward felt like something was missing, and he knew exactly what it was. Chapter 2 Fever and River All through lunch, Edward's mind was on what he had planned on doing afterwards, and it was all he could concentrate on. After the lunch ended, he helped Martha clean the kitchen. He went upstairs to Johnny's room. He found Johnny on the floor, playing with his new toy, and he smiled to himself. Hey, buddy, what are you doing? Edward asked as he went into Johnny's room. Hi, Dad. I was playing with my new science kit. I can see that. You look like you are having so much fun. But can you stop for a while? I want to talk to you about something, Edward said, while rubbing Johnny's head. Okay, Dad. All right, then. Let's clean up your toys first, shall we? Edward said, bending down to pick up some of the instruments from the science kit. After they had both put everything back in its place, Edward instructed him to brush his teeth before coming back to bed. He quickly rushed through all the tasks and came barreling to Edward on the bed. I'm ready, Dad. All right, then. I want to tell you about my childhood, Edward said. Okay, Johnny said, nodding eagerly. All right, where do I start? Edward thought to himself as he watched Johnny settle on the bed. So I'm just going to start. If you have any questions, you can take note of it and ask me any time, Edward said. Okay, Dad. Okay. It all started in a small town near Cleveland, here in Ohio, Edward started. My mother was a seamstress. Before I was born, she was a young, beautiful woman whose beauty was the talk of the town. Her beauty attracted a lot of men, but unfortunately, none of them wanted to be serious with her. After many nasty experiences with men, she decided to steer clear of men until she found the one for her. After about three years of waiting, she found someone. He was rich and handsome, and he was the total package, and my mother fell in love with him. What was your mother's name, Dad? Her name was Olympia Miller, Edward replied. What about the man she was in love with? He asked. My mother never told me his name. She never really talked about him. She only ever mentioned him once, Edward said. I am going to continue the story now, said Edward. They were always seen together and were very much in love. She got pregnant and told him. This was when everything stopped. 
For a while, my mother tried to contact him to no avail. And after a month, she found out that he had left town. Her life went downhill from there. She had to juggle learning how to be a seamstress while being pregnant, and life was hard for her. There was no response from Johnny, so Edward continued. After nine long months of torture, she finally gave birth to me, and I was introduced to the life of hardship. I grew up used to not eating well, not having anything I wanted. We lived in a rundown apartment in the worst part of town. The roof was leaking and we had to put buckets under the holes when it rained. I quickly learned to survive without money and how to make food last longer when we managed to have more than enough at a time. She always did her best to make sure I was fed. She took on odd jobs, even apart from being a seamstress. However, even though we were very poor, I knew she loved me wholeheartedly, and I could hear her cry at night when she thought I was asleep. My mother never let herself fall in love with any other man after that. One day, my mother went on one of her many job hunts, and on her way back, she got into an accident. But since she couldn't afford to go to the hospital, she came back home and attempted to treat herself. After the next few days, her condition deteriorated, and she started to spike a fever. We did not have any medicine that she could use for the fever, so she gradually became worse. As a nine-year-old who had to watch his mother suffer, it was a very bad time for me. I constantly had to fetch water from a close-by river, as we did not have any in our apartment. Life was very hard for both my mother and I, particularly during this time. And maybe that's why she did what she did. Chapter 3. School Days What happened next, Dad? Johnny asked with curiosity etched on his face. Edward replied. A few days after, she seemingly got better. Her strength returned and the fever went away. It seemed like all was going to be okay. She told me to get dressed and that we were going out. I tried to ask her where we were going, but she kept quiet, which was very unlike my mother. I wore my only trousers and the last torn shirt that I owned. We got to the bus stop and entered a bus going to Cincinnati. I was wondering where we were going, but my mother had this distant look on her face, so I didn't ask. After what seemed like hours, we got off the bus and a man came to meet us. My mother hugged him like she had known him for a long time. I later found out that he was my Uncle Anthony. He took us to his house, where I met his sons, Gustav and Tony. My mother sent me up to their rooms while the adults talked, and I was later summoned. She said I was going to be staying with my uncle and his family, and that she was going to go back home. So she left you all alone, Dad? Edward answered, yes, and at that point I was angry, and I hated her for what she did. However, over time, I began to understand that she did it for my own good. There was no way I would have survived this long without her. 
When it was time for her to go, she hugged me, planted a kiss on my forehead, and told me she was going to come back for me when she was settled. That was the last time I saw her. What happened to her? Johnny asked. Do you remember the accident she had? Edward asked him, as he nodded in reply. Well, she had complications because of that, and she died two days later. It was one of the worst days of my life, and I was only 10 years old. I didn't know why my mother would just leave me, and erroneously, I thought she never loved me. I became a recluse, hardly talking to anyone, even to my cousins, Gustav and Tony. I just went to school, did my chores, ate and slept. I missed my mother sorely, and I cried almost every night at a particular time. My cousins always tried to play with me and include me in their games. Although I resisted at first, I started playing with them. We became inseparable and even named ourselves the Three Musketeers. We went everywhere together. I was in the same class as Tony, so we were much closer. Soon I began to come out of my shell and interact more with people. We grew into teenagers, and like all teenagers, we started to experiment with some things that were bad for us. Things like what, Dad? It was mostly parties, skipping school occasionally, and girls. There was a time we got into so much trouble with my uncle. What happened? Johnny asked. Well, son, the most popular girl in school threw a party, and since the three of us were quite popular in school, we were invited. Not knowing how to get permission from Uncle Anthony, we decided to sneak off to the party. We had everything planned out already, like how we were going to sneak out of the house, how we were going to sneak back in, and at what time. We also counted on my uncle and his wife going to bed early, as they usually did. We went to the party, had a lot of fun, and even experimented with alcohol. Before we knew it, a lot of time had passed, so we set out to go home. When we got to the house and saw the lights on, the three of us knew we were going to be in so much trouble. That belief was solidified when we saw Uncle Anthony sitting on a chair on the front porch, waiting for us. He was so angry. I will never forget what happened that day. I was so scared, but it was like he didn't even see me. He only focused on Gustav and Tony. He totally scolded them and grounded both of them for a month, but he never as much as looked in my direction. I didn't know what to think. I felt so bad because we were all in it together. Why did he do that, Dad? I don't know, Johnny, but I can tell you this. I was so jealous of Tony and Gustav because they had a dad who disciplined them, while I had nobody. You have no idea how much that hurts, son. It is horrible when you're a kid with no one around to correct you when you do wrong. Having that is as necessary as having someone that encourages you when you do right. The silent indifference of my uncle killed me, and nobody knew it. It was in my heart, always present, like a reminder that I was irrelevant to this world. Chapter 4 Tony Time flies by, you know, Johnny. 
Edward said. Soon enough, Tony and I finished high school. We were still as close as ever, and we still got into trouble together now and then. Gustav, who was a year older, had already gone off to college and was not around anymore to participate in our ridiculous pranks. Tony and I were so close that we worked in the same place after high school. We even applied to the same colleges. We were basically like twins. Unfortunately, life had other plans for us, and when the admission period came, we were both accepted into separate schools. Although we were sad about this development, we made a pact to always visit each other during the holidays and to always keep in touch. We got together with our girlfriends and had a lot of fun. We did this for close to three years until the unexpected happened. What happened, Dad? Well, Johnny, one day I was in my dormitory when I received a call from the hospital asking me to come down immediately. I was told that Tony had gotten into an accident on his way home and that he asked to see me specifically. I rushed to the hospital, praying that nothing would happen to Tony. When I got to the hospital, I was directed to the intensive care unit, where I saw Tony hooked up to different machines. With tears starting to roll down my face, I could not imagine living without Tony. Did your cousin get better, Dad? Edward replied. No, unfortunately he did not. He died soon after I got to the hospital. I still remember vividly what happened. He asked me to promise him that I follow my dreams and make something of my life. Because of him, any time I want to give up, I remember the promise I made to my best friend on that day, and I work harder. After the burial, I went back to school and tried my best to focus on my education. One day, I received a call from Tony's girlfriend. She was crying on the phone, and I suggested that we meet in person so we could talk. I was already seated at the cafe where we agreed to meet when she walked in with a bulging stomach. She was pregnant. What did you do then? Johnny asked. Johnny, what I'm about to tell you might seem weird, but I want you to know that Mommy and I love you a whole lot, and you mean the world to us. Do you know that, Johnny? Edward had to make sure this registered in his mind. Yes, Dad. You and Mom tell me all the time. Content with his reply, Edward decided it was somewhat safe to proceed. Well, Johnny, like I was saying, Tony's girlfriend was pregnant and she decided to have the baby. She gave birth to the most beautiful baby boy and wanted to give him up for adoption. Why would she do that, Dad? Didn't she love him? She did, Johnny. She loved him very much, but she could not take care of a child then. What happened to the baby? Johnny asked. Well, I decided to adopt the baby, Edward said. I have a brother? Johnny asked excitedly. There was a tense silence in the room, and that was when Edward unmasked the secret. No, Johnny. You were the baby. I decided to adopt you. Different emotions played across Johnny's innocent face, and Edward wished he did not have to tell him that. But Johnny had to know the truth. What? Johnny asked. Confusion clouded his features as he tried to process the information. 
So you and mom are not my real parents? Johnny asked. No, son, Edward replied to him, reaching for his shoulders. We are not your biological parents, Edward said. Telling Johnny this was very heartbreaking. He didn't want Johnny to grow up and hear it from someone else. Buddy, we are your parents in all the ways that matter. We love you very much, and that is all that matters. Do you understand that? Edward asked. He had to make Johnny understand that they loved him. He didn't say anything for a while. Then Edward heard sniffling sounds, and when he turned on the bedside lamp, he saw tears stream down Johnny's precious face. Edward was heartbroken to see him this way, and he cradled Johnny in his arms, repeatedly assuring him that he meant the world to them. After about 10 minutes, Johnny turned and looked up at Edward and said the words that made his heart melt. Yes, I do. I love you too, Dad. Thank you for loving me so much and for telling me the truth. I love you more now because I understand that your love is deeper than any love that any one father has for his kid. You love me twice, Dad. Edward asked, twice? Yes, Daddy. You love me twice because you love me from your heart and also from my biological dad, Tony's heart. You love me twice. Then Johnny smiled real big and looked towards the sky through the window as if he were giving thanks to God for all of this. At that moment, relief washed over Edward, who had finally gotten this off his chest. All right, buddy, you have to go to bed now. It is already late, Edward said. Okay, Dad. I love you, buddy, Edward told him one more time before getting up from his bed. I love you too, Daddy. Edward smiled and left Johnny's room where he met Martha on the other side of the door. It looked as though she had been there for a while. She held out her hands for Edward and he went into her arms, which made him feel better immediately. Did you hear all that? Edward asked her, and she nodded. I'm glad we finally have it out there, she said. Me too, baby, Edward replied. He pulled himself from her arms and kissed her. I love you, baby, Edward told her. I love you more, Martha replied. Let's go to bed. We've both had a long day, Edward said. Edward felt like such a lucky man to have both a supportive wife and a thoughtful and intelligent child. He promised himself that he was always going to be there for both of them. I appreciate the time you have invested in listening to Unmask, my first audiobook, produced in August 2019. We are currently working on the second audiobook, and it will soon be released to the public. You honor us with your time by listening to it, and it would be an awesome help if you would share Unmasked with your friends and perhaps drop a comment wherever you purchase it or in our Facebook page. Thank you. This is Giancarlo Villatoro. Credits. 
Original idea, Giancarlo Vigitoro. Writing team, Giancarlo Vigitoro, Tracy Vigitoro, Adiemo Kehinde, Kenny. Music team, Giancarlo Vigitoro, Tracy Vigitoro, C.G. Olenuga, Fred Rojas. Narrator, Sarah Reif. All rights reserved, 2019. Giancarlo Vigitoro Productions, Odessa, Texas, USA. Let the music, the theme, and the story transport you to a wonderful place, a place filled with your own dreams and passions. Soon you will discover that there is still so much hope for your future. There is hope inside of you, somewhere in your heart. <laughs>